0: Welcome to the Sifu News Podcast. I'm Sifu News Managing Editor, Amanda Buckle
1: and i'm seafood news staff writer ryan doyle this episode of the seafood news podcast is brought to you by the winter 2022 issue of earner reporter magazine the new issue is filled with can't miss content regarding rising prices adding more pressure to markets keep an eye out for stories on how u.s shrimp imports are in position to set another record and how crab quotas are slashed heading into 2022 visit earnerberry.com reporter to read a digital copy or to sign up to receive your free issue in the mail
0: so not surprising, our top story involves <laughs> Seafood Expo North America. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is a lot of buildup for you, Ryan, which I think is, <laughs> is pretty exciting. We're trying to get Ryan to go this year. Um, and Ryan, I swear it's not as dramatic as, <laughs> as all these news stories have had to do.
1: A st- historic year, I think, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously.
0: So Diversify Communications, they're the organizers of Seafood Expo North America. They want to clear the air about the upcoming March event. Um, so Liz Plisga, she's the group vice president of Diversified Communications, and Winter Cormont, he's uh, the event director of Diversified Communications, they sent a letter to the Seaview community to address some of these speculation and factually inaccurate stories.
1: As everyone knows by now, a handful of companies began pulling out of the event at the beginning of January. But despite that, Diversified said that Seafood Expo North America is currently over 20,000 square feet of sold exhibit space. That figure represents 80% of the event's largest edition held. And of the canceled space, Diversified says that the majority comes from companies in countries facing long quarantine restrictions like China.
0: The letter states that the vast majority of companies are still planning on exhibiting and that Diversify continues to receive new inquiries and contracts to exhibit. According to Diversify, they also have an impressive list of buyers pre-registered to attend, including Albertsons, Amazon Fresh, Bloomin Brands, Costco, Captain D's, Darden, McDonald's, Target, Whole Foods, and I know that was a long list, but believe it or not, there's much more.
1: As for the concerns about safety, Diversified reiterated in their letter that protocols are in place in accordance with local public health mandates and CDC recommendations. Anyone entering the U.S. from another country must be fully vaccinated and have a negative test the day before they travel. The city of Boston has also implemented a Be Together plan, which requires that anyone entering the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center be vaccinated and wear a mask.
0: And I just have to plug this here, too. Seafood uh, News founder John Sackton he wrote a fantastic column last week titled, Is It Time to Rethink the Boston Seafood Show? Um, I had no idea of John's involvement in uh, in bringing the show together, so it's it's a really interesting read. Uh, If you haven't checked it out yet, definitely do so. You can find it under the featured stories.
1: Yeah, definitely echo that sentiment, really eye-opening for someone who's taking their, hopefully taking their first trip uh, up to Boston this year, so it was was pretty sweet. In other news, the USDA released a purchase award description for frozen Alaska pollock fillets and nuggets and pinked canned salmon. Uh, The USDA bought a total of 760,000 pounds of frozen pollock fillets, 646,000 pounds of frozen pollock nuggets, and 2.1 million pounds pounds of frozen Pollock sticks and over 712,000 cases of canned pink salmon. In all, just over 4.3 million pounds of seafood was purchased for a total of $61.8 million. Canned salmon made up the bulk of the purchase with nearly $50 million worth of product bought, the majority of which was purchased from Seattle-based OBI Seafoods for $47.1 million. Other contracts were awarded to Channel Fizz Processing for $2.2 million and Trident Seafoods for $12.5 million.
0: In other news, uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection issued a notice saying that seafood harvested with use of forced labor by fishing vessel Dewang is likely being, or is likely to be, imported into the United States. Now, this story actually goes back to August 2020 when the CBP issued a notice stating that they would be detaining seafood harvested by the Dewang, which is a Taiwan-owned distant water fishing vessel. And as mentioned before, this is due to the vessel's involvement with forced labor. Well, further investigation found that the seafood harvested by the fishing vessel, which is mainly tuna products, is still being imported into the U.S. As a result, CBP says that the port director may seize the covered merchandise and commence forfeiture proceedings unless the imported establishes by satisfactory evidence that the merchandise was not produced in any part with the use of prohibited labor specified in this finding. <laughs>
1: We've got another bad actor story here. A New York fisherman has been charged with conspiracy, fraud, and obstruction for overharvest of fish. Christopher Winkler, 61 of Montauk, New York, faces charges of one count of conspiracy to commit mail fraud, to obstruct NOAA uh, through the falsification of fishing logs, and to unlawfully frustrate NOAA's efforts at regulating federal fisheries. Uh, Winkler was initially indicted in April 2021. The latest indictment alleges that from May 2014 and February 2021, Winkler, as captain of the fishing vessel New Age, went on at least 220 fishing trips where he caught fluke or black sea bass in excess of applicable trip limits. The DOJ said that during that period, the fish were sold at a pair of now-defunct companies, the New Fulton Fish Market in the Bronx and a fish dealer in Montauk. According to court filings, the overages of fish included at least 200,000 pounds of fluke, and the overall overquota of fish of all the species was valued at at least 850000 wholesale. Wow.
0: Now, finally, let's talk about some fun stuff. I feel like that was a whole <laughs> bit of a dammer.
1: <laughs> um, I got serious. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, uh, you were in at the National Fisheries Institute's Global Seafood Market Conference, so I'm going to hit you with this question. Data essential conducted a study and asked people if they know how to prepare seafood. What do you think is the percentage of people who said that they don't know how to prepare seafood?
1: I'll say... One in four people, one in I, You know what? One third. One third.
0: <laughs> All right, well, the answer is
1: thirteen percent of people. Okay, said, okay. I, I wasn't too far off. They I'll take couldn't that. do
0: that, which I, I was. I was really surprised. Um, but I mean, I guess everyone knows like when when the world shut down, you know, people stocked up on supplies and stayed home and cooked. And while some people may have been afraid to cook seafood in the past, you know, they now had the time and tools to learn how to prepare it. Um, you know, online recipes and YouTube videos help people become more comfortable cooking dishes that they used to order at at restaurants. I know that's always my go-to. We started ordering from Thrive Market and so we have these, um, you know, pieces that are, it's all like individually portioned and, you know, we'll take one out the night before and then my husband and I will Google a recipe that we want to try, um, look up the video and, and bam, you know, we, we got a quick dinner at home.
1: No, I I, I certainly think that definitely happened to me as well during the pandemic. I was, um, you know, trying to find hobbies and I I did learn how to cook a few things. And, you know, growing up, you know, we didn't, seafood was more of a thing you ate when you were going out to eat. You know what I mean? To get salmon or crab, whatever it might have been. So during the pandemic, I was like, you know, I I love salmon. I love seafood. So let's, you know, learn how to make at least a few dishes, a few shrimp dishes, a few whatever it might be. So that, you know, it, That number being a little bit smaller than I would have thought, definitely, I'm sure the pandemic played a role in that. At at least it did for me.
0: And it's like, when you think about it too with the restaurants, I mean, a lot of restaurants slash their menus and I mean, due Mm. to supply cost or other issues. Um, So, you know, I I don't think really salmon and shrimp, those were like the big ones that, that, Mm -hmm. you know, weren't really cut, but somewhat like halibut for me. Um, Mm. It's, it's generally hard to find in our area. And then, you know, people just weren't bringing it in one of my favorite fish. I'm like, I'm, I'm learning how to cook that bad boy at home.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Take it out of anyone else's hands, but your own, right? <laughs> well, according to data central, over a third of consumers are seeking to increase their consumption of seafood. Of course, restaurants may not be the best way for them to do that as menus shrank during COVID, as we just talked about. And data central reports that menus were reduced by 10.2% uh, and seafood was Certainly a casualty on that front. Some items priced themselves off the menu. Others fell victim to takeout packaging. But with all that said, seafood did have some wins at food service. Stir-fried shrimp saw gains with a 23.8% one-year change. Tuna nigiri saw gains with a 13.6% one-year change. Alaska cod saw gains with a 12% one-year change. And imitation crab saw gains with 11.9% one-year change. And based on the predicted growth over the next four years, there's a lot to be excited about. Pangassia's Basa Swai is expected to see a 12% growth over the next four years, with the most pickup on the QSR and mid-scale front. Cod, which had a 12% penetration on menus this past year, is predicted to grow... 14 percent over the next four years haddock which uh, haddock which had a three percent penetration on menus is predicted to grow 12 percent
0: and one of the big predicted winners in the next few years is our good friend the alaska pollock (laughs) we're huge fans of the alaska pollock um alaska pollock it had a less than one percent penetration on menus last year and it's predicted to grow 21 percent um and transparency will likely play a part in that uh I talked to Data Central's Kelly Fetchner um, at GSMC, and she explained that the younger consumer is much more interested in where their fish is sourced from. And I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but like, uh, yeah, Maine lobster does a good job at this. It's mm-hmm. it's all about. I mean, I see that. You know, I see it's Alaska pollock. I see that it's Maine lobster, and and there is something that that draws me to it. You know, hundred percent. It, it's it's they do a, a great job with their advertising, and obviously, it's a lot of work. A lot of money goes into it, but. Um, from me, I, I, you know, I, I, don't really look at it with a lot of things, but I know that and I trust it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and, and, going back to the pocket, you know, it might be easier for restaurants just to say, you know, that it's white fish on a menu because of supply issues and concerns. Um, you know, but Fetchner believes that transparency is the route that restaurants should be taking in the future. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how restaurants and menus evolve. I know like, um, I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of restaurants, at least by me, haven't gone back to like actual paper menus. They're still doing the mm-hmm. QR codes, and I know it's, it's probably time-consuming to keep changing a menu. Um, you know, to uh, to update the fish, but I mean, mm-hmm. there's definitely a chance. You know, you could update it week to week, depending on you know what product you actually get in.
1: Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think that 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 could play a role too. Uh, you know, instead of having to print out and design all those things, you just throw it up on the website, and then you know like maybe even you know, link some QR codes into sourcing and things of that nature and even go deeper um, for consumers. So we'll see. I think seafood can play a big role um, in that sense. Um, but that's going to do it for us, for us today. Um, and we will uh, – me or Lauren, we're not sure yet, we'll uh, uh, see, see you here back, back uh, uh, next week. Someone will be here next week. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All the is I- news. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Have a great night. Bye. Bye-bye, everybody.